welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, friends. Welcome to Awaken. My name is Micah, if we haven't met. Um, Atticus Finch, in the book To Kill a Mockingbird, has this great line, which was quoted in there. The idea is you never really get to know a person until, as he says, you get inside their skin and walk around in it. Uh, you've heard the phrase, uh, to walk a mile in someone's shoes before, and that's the, that's the title of this series that we're about to start this morning. Um, so if you've never been to Awaken, welcome, glad you're here. Um, over the next four weeks, we're going to hear four stories, uh, four different people, stories that, if I'm being honest, I think don't get a lot of play in the circles that I typically run around in, um, and part of it is because stories shape the world. Uh, stories help us make sense of things. They help us make meaning. They, uh, they are a part of our very lives. And when we take time to hear one another's stories, uh, we begin to develop the capacities for compassion and empathy to be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Um, and so that's the whole idea. Uh, over the next four weeks, I'll, I'll be honest, you may hear something that you disagree with. Great. Good. I hope that you do. Um, as your pastor... Uh, this, these are the places where things grow and where things become alive for us spiritually and intellectually and emotionally. When something that we believe to be true is challenged or we come up against that, we often take that as a, a, uh, maybe something to be afraid of or we move away from that. But I actually want to like, gently, as your pastor, just hold our church and push us towards something that we might not agree with because these are the places where we grow. Um, so you may hear something that you don't agree with, and that's actually really good. I don't, even when I'm teaching, I don't ask you to believe everything that I say, but I say, like, this is the beginning of a conversation. The pulpit, Sunday morning at Awaken, this is not the last word, this is the first word. So my hope is that you think about what you hear, and you hold it, and even if you disagree with something, um, you don't immediately say no to it, but you say, what is it about that person's perspective that is a value? Um, or what is compelling about that person's perspective or their story or their experience? What might I learn from that? Um, a guy named Carl Jung is a philosopher, not a philosopher, a psychologist, and he says this, there's no coming to consciousness without pain. What does he mean by that? Uh, the name of our church is Awaken, and if you didn't know, the name of our church is an invitation to pain. What does it mean to wake up to something? It means to become conscious to it. It means to become aware of it. It means to become alive to it. So the very name of our church is an invitation to move towards, to become conscious of something that maybe you weren't before. And that never comes without struggle. Think about anything that's born into the world. It's always through struggle. And so, um, over the next four weeks, you or your assumptions that you bring may be challenged by someone or some, something that you hear. Um, there's a very real chance that when people begin to start doing some of the work that I'm inviting our church to do, um, it, it's a very disorienting experience. And sometimes, um, I've, I'll be honest, I'll speak for myself, I've found myself feeling guilty or feeling ashamed or feeling sad or sorrow because of something I've done or something I haven't done or something someone else has done or hasn't done. Um, these are all totally normal and natural feelings, um, and I want to just say that out loud, what you do with those feelings is really, really important. And so here's my one ground rule or set of ground rules for our, our, the next four weeks. Um, you may feel at some point sad, or you may feel guilty for something, or you may feel ashamed of something, um, and a, a natural inclination or a natural desire is to say I'm sorry. 
I'm going to ask you over the next four weeks, whoever is a guest and comes and shares and offers themselves, like they are not the recipient of your sadness and sorrow and your guilt or your shame. Um, that's an unfair request that we make inadvertently, and we do it out of a good scent, uh, uh, like a good intention. But um, for example, Alyssa doesn't speak for all the gay people in the world, and the next week, uh, a biracial couple doesn't speak for all the biracial couples in the world, or an African American man doesn't speak for all the black people in the world. And so when we say, "I'm sorry about my uncle Vinny and what he said at uh, Thanksgiving, and that I didn't like stand up for you," um, that's not theirs. That's yours. So keep it. Okay. Um, take it to people that you trust and that you walk with and process those things, but like that's not for these people. They're not your, your priest. If you want to come and say that to me, I'm your pastor, I'd be glad to hear your confession, but that's not for them, okay? Is that, is that okay? Can we say that out loud? Um, and, and I'll also say um, it's so important that you take whatever things come and surface from this and you do process with someone, that you do have people that you are asking questions of and speaking with. And um, my challenge or my invitation to you would be find people who don't already carry a large portion of the burden of the conversation that you're having, okay? That's a gift that's being kind to others. And so those are, those are a couple of the ground rules that I would set for our time, all right? Now this morning, specifically, we're going to hear from a woman who's a Christian and who also identifies as gay. Uh, at Awaken, we have talked about wells and fences a, a lot, and if you've been around, you know this metaphor. And the idea is that there are a small number of essentials that we would say are essential. They're non-negotiable, and it's a well, and we gather around that. And so when they, we're talking about things that are therefore not essential, we are okay with a difference of opinion or someone who holds one conviction because of how they read the Bible. Maybe that's different than someone else. And on this topic of human sexuality, that is absolutely the case. So nothing changes this morning in our conversation. Um, whether you hold a conservative position on this and how you read the Bible or a progressive version, uh, conviction on this and how you read the Bible. We're not debating the morality of, of the topic. We're not even asking what does the Bible say. I'm simply inviting you to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. That's the ask. So, if you would, please welcome my friend Alyssa Paulson. Hello. I was thinking it was going to be less full in here, second hour, but it's not really. It's good. Well, we have one under our belt, so um, we've done this once before. Um, Alyssa, thanks for being here. You're welcome. I've been getting my Krista, my inner Krista Tippett on uh, lately, listening to lots of interviews, and she always begins interviews with a specific question, and I figured if I was going to follow in the footsteps of someone, Krista Tippett's not a bad person. So, um, what has been your spiritual background, or what's formed your spiritual journey in your life? Yes, so, um, gosh, if we talk about church, I started coming to Awaken about three and a half years ago. Um, Prior to that, uh, I haven't spent a lot. I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about my spiritual journey or um, my beliefs. Um, I just didn't grow up in a family that went to church. Uh, I actually started dating a girl who went to church, and that's how I ended up at church. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so my total spiritual experience or background uh, is Awaken and Rob Bell. <laughs> So I've had, a, I've had a good journey so far. Uh, you could do worse. <laughs> yeah. 
I Qu think. Quite accepting and inclusive. Um, yeah, so I started wake, uh, listening to his podcast and then I started coming here and I would say I've become more and more involved over the last year. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's been good, it's been exciting. Um, tell us a little bit about your family. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up in a small town, Albert Lee, Minnesota, which is about an hour and a half south of here if you've ever been. Um, I have a mom and a dad and two older brothers. Um, yeah, and you know, I talked about this um, first hour a little bit is, I, I think the older we get, the more we realize like how maybe typical or untypical our families are. And I found that mine was pretty typical after I started hearing other stories of different families. Um, I have a big family, they're pretty inclusive and accepting. Um, my parents were married for 30 years. Um, my dad passed away in January of this year, so it's a little different now, but um, I think that, yeah, I had a loving and caring family. I get along really well um, with my oldest brother, my brother who's 13 months older than me. We uh, see, see differently on a lot of issues, but um, we're getting better as we get older, so, yeah. Um, so this January will be uh, the one-year anniversary of your dad's passing. Mm -hmm. His name was Kevin. Yes. What was your favorite thing about your dad? Oh, my favorite thing about my dad. Um, gosh, I'm, really, I'm a lot like him, actually, which is nice. But um, he, um, he had a flexible mind. Um, so, and I'll tell a little bit more about this uh, later, but I went to school for social work. And about a year into my schooling, I was talking with my dad on the phone. And he's, he's a, a truck driver. Truck driver, yeah. yep. So he's a truck driver, and so he spends a lot of time with his headset on, and we're chatting when I'm driving to work or driving home from work or whatever I'm doing, and so we're having all these conversations. And he goes to me one day about a year in, and he goes, gosh, Alyssa, I just can't believe my tax dollars are going to those people. I was like, yeah, Dad? He's like, yeah, I mean, like, why, why are we paying for people who could, like, pay for themselves, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, so on and so forth. And I was like, oh, shoot, um, this is going to be a long three years. And so what was neat about it, though, is it, it gave me the opportunity over the course of three years to continually have conversations about something that we disagreed on. Like, I saw the value in it because that was what I did day to day. That was what I learned about in school. And he was willing to listen. Um, and so over the course of the next three years, my dad was a numbers guy. And so I got to talk to him about, you know, dad, we're paying for this regardless. Like these are tax dollars. They're paying for people to access emergency care, crisis residents, go to detox, whatever that may be. And it's costing us, I don't know, an individual could cost three to $4,000 a month out of our tax dollars, right? I go, but if we house them and we give them a caseworker and we give them the supports they need, it cuts that dollar amount in half. And he goes, oh, okay. So like, it was nice that he was able to come from a place, it took a long time, but like to flex his mind a little bit and be like, oh, I guess with more information, I'm able to see this from a different perspective. So I think just his ability to grow, um, especially coming from like a small town and and not having the same experiences and um, stories heard as, as you might hear in a bigger city. Yeah. I got snowed in Albert Lee once. Did you? Yeah. Did yeah. you stay at the Salvation Army? I think it was a hotel, it was a hockey tournament. Krista <laughs> <laughs> Tippett never would have done that, man. Nope. <laughs> um, okay, 
uh, Alyssa, tell us a little bit about your journey um, and sort of coming to realize uh, your own sexual orientation. What was that process like? Yeah, for me, it was really normal. Um, <laughs> I, one of Micah's questions, and I'm, I'll probably throw him under the bus a couple times during this, but when we first started this conversation was like, well, how did you feel different? Um, and I don't know that I ever felt different, um, which is a blessing in and of itself. And I'll, call, I'll, I'll double down on what Micah said in that my story is not everybody's story, and I recognize that. A lot of people have had um, terribly, terribly traumatic experiences, um, and I, I can't really speak for them um, because that hasn't been my journey. Um, mine was, you know, and I can just tell you a little bit about it. Like, I dated guys in high school, and like nothing really clicked. And then when I went to college, I was like 19 or 20, I started dating a girl. Um, and the exciting piece about that, it's like when you date people and date people and date people, but then you meet someone and you're like, whoa, oh, okay, this feels different. That's exactly what it was like for me. It wasn't any different than, um, I would say maybe my brother's journey through his dating and dating and dating until he, who he's with now. Like it was very, normal's a hard word to use, but it was just, it felt right. Um, and I was just surrounded by people who loved me and unconditionally, I didn't, I didn't really have a hard time um, coming out. Uh, what was also interesting about my journey is that um, I never really had to directly come out to the people I loved. Uh, my friends kind of inadvertently <laughs> did it for me, which was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I think my friend had some questions and then I told her I was dating a girl and she was cool with that and then she told her mom who then is friends with my mom and then my mom found out and <laughs> I don't know if her and my dad ever had a conversation or not I never asked but they never questioned me on it they just kind of were like all right cool um you told the story about your mom like what she found out from <laughs> yeah. her friend yeah this is a, a rather basic response um a, a good one and I think I value it a lot more now than I did when this happened was I had gotten a voicemail from my mom late at night, and I think she was drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't answer, because I had this feeling that I knew, I knew what she was going to say, and I was like, oh, I'm not doing this right now. And she left a voicemail, and I listened to it, and it was just simple enough that she said, Alyssa, I just want you to know I love you no matter what. Um, and now I think about that, and it's far more impactful, where then I was like, okay, cool, like, I'm, I'm in the clear, like, nothing, like, I don't have to do any more work. Um, yeah, and another story I talked about earlier is that um, I was concerned about telling my grandma. And because she comes from a different, a different time, a different world, and um, she's, what, I think 75 now. Um, and she is one of my favorite people in the world, and I think that's probably why it felt like something I needed to do. And so when I was about 25, I'd been out for a while, everybody knew. Um, I, w I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I, I think I have to tell grandma I'm gay. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, like I, I have to tell her. And she's like, oh, I told her a few years ago. So, oh, cool. She was still baking me pies and like uh, she sews and she made me a quilt and a blanket and like, so it was fine. Um, so my experience coming out has been um, pretty wonderful um, and I'm really thankful for that. Any, any advice you would give to like parents of queer kids, like, um, I didn't ask you this first hour, but uh, that's a question I get all the time as a pastor. Um, 
I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. I think just loving them. Um, and this is something that I've thought about a lot uh, over the past few years, is it really doesn't matter if you agree with it or disagree with it. Um, this is a human, and I think as humans, we just want to be loved. Um, and, you know, we focus so much on our differences, and, and the bottom line is this is a kid, and when they're ready, they'll be ready, and when they're ready to tell their story, they'll be ready to tell their story and not pressuring um, someone to talk more about something than they want to and letting them know you love them. And even in the back of your mind, we talk about this in mental health a lot about it's okay to think things, but what comes out is what's really important. So don't beat yourself up for having thoughts. Just be really careful about how those thoughts um, come out in words or actions. Just love them. They're just like the rest of us, right? Just kids. Um. So often when you put Christian and gay in the same sentence, what comes next is pain or hurt, trauma. Um, that hasn't been your story as much, but you, you spoke a little bit about um, being at Awaken for the last couple of years and um, what that experience was like as it relates to our denomination and you know the last year or so. Can you share about that? Micah's suspension. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, yeah, so I started to become far more involved in Awaken in probably the last year. Prior to that, when my dad was sick, I was spending a lot of time at home, um, just being with him and my family and caring for him and doing that sort of thing. And so about a year ago, um, we had, my good friend Amy and I had heard um, that Micah was suspended. We didn't really know why, but we're like, we definitely need to go to this info session or you know this community gathering about what's going on and what that's going to look like and so we show up and I usually sit over here and we're sitting over there in the second row and um, I, I like heard what had happened and Micah had prayed at a gay wedding correct yeah um, and I was like what he's in trouble for praying about love oh boy and I was like thinking to myself I was like maybe he like did the wedding or like really went out of the box and in, in, in away from what the ECC deems is essential, uh, maybe that's not the right term, is appropriate. And no, he really had just prayed at a wedding. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever been in a room where you feel like people are talking about you and they, that you're not there, um, but you really are, so you're experiencing all of that. Um, it was both terrible and wonderful at the same time. I think the hard part about it is that um, there are bunch of people who you know a little bit or maybe not at all speaking about um, you and like a piece of you that um, they, that's like it's a love piece of you and now your pastor is in trouble for doing something lovingly over you and who you love and so like sitting there and witnessing that was terrible it took everything in me not to get up and walk out um, and I think part of that was just looking at all the people who were supportive and were like, hey, this isn't who we stand for. This is not how we feel. This is a human. These are humans that we're talking about. Um, so it was hard, but it was also great in the sense that it, it taught me a lot more about who Awaken is and who we are as a community. And I think for me, something that I've discovered um, in my short time on this earth is that it is far more impactful and you can... Um, you can share your story far easier from the inside of something than you can from the outside. 
um, when you're a part of some community and you belong somewhere and you're sitting somewhere like right now, um, I think your story can have a little bit more impact because there is um, connectedness and, and feeling versus being on the outside and being like, but what about these people or what about this person and, and that sort of thing. So who's good and bad and I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, so I've been listening to this podcast recently called Wild Black and one of my favorite questions, I'm, I'm clearly not um, black, but I find it very interesting. Um, one of the questions that they always ask their guests is like, what do you love about life while black? Um, so I'll change the, what do you love about life while gay? Uh, same answer is, have you guys ever been to the Pride Parade? Anybody? No? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it is one of the most diverse and strange and exciting and fun places to be, where tens of thousands of people are probably the least judgmental people you'll meet on the face of this earth. Um, and I forget what it's like every year, and I, th I thought of this analogy as like when I was a kid, uh, my mom used to give me baths, and when I was getting out of the bathtub, she would take this towel, and she would, from behind, she would wrap it around me and give me this huge hug, and it was just like so secure and so warm and so comforting. And I will tell you, I've been going to that for maybe five or six years now. And every year on Sunday, when I walk into the parade and you see all the people who love and care about you and don't really care about your sexual orientation, it feels so good. It feels just like that. Um, so that's, that's probably one of my favorite things. Um, and the cool part about that is you actually don't have to be gay to go. I didn't say that first hour, but it's, it's fun. And if you haven't been, They're not checking thing, like your no, wristbands at the door or anything no, like that? No, no, no wristbands. Yeah. And what, what food items do they sell at Proud Parade? All of the food items. Like state fair food? State fair food nice. stuff. Oh yeah, food trucks, cheese curds. They have vegan options. They have, you know, the turkey legs, everything. Mini wow. donuts. So come for the food, stay for the friends. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, are, are there any people that have been significant in your journey um, as, a, as a woman who is a Christian, who is gay, um, that you want to share about, who've helped shape, guide, speak into your life? Yeah, so probably the person I was dating when I came to Awaken, mm -hmm. um, they had spent their whole life in the church community and so being able to just kind of have an in, um, I didn't realize the role that Awaken was actually going to play. Um, and it feels like home here, um, so that's really nice. I think uh, being of someone who didn't grow up in the church at all, it's been a great place to journey, and I, I've always felt welcomed regardless of my you know, minimal knowledge of the scripture and, and what that looks like and, and learning and understanding. So I think that's huge. Um, my parents, oh my gosh, um, they never wavered in their love for me. And I think the older I get, the more I realize that. And um, my mom told me this the other day, actually, and it's, it, was, it was good, she goes, you know, I feel successful as a parent because you're living on your own. You're paying your own bills. Uh, Raise him. <laughs> but you're also doing something you love for work. 
and like you find joy in your everyday life. She's like, I just feel successful. You're independent and you're doing things you love. And, and lastly, that you're just acting as a good human. I, co I couldn't ask for any more as a parent. Um, and so just her reiteration of that unwavering, unconditional love um, has been nothing about my sexual orientation or how I cut my hair or what I look like when I walk down the street. So um, I think they've played a huge role. Who does cut your hair, by the way? Her name's Stephanie Adams. She works at Salon, uh, I don't know, in Roseville. She's great. Okay. She does good work. <laughs> Very attached to her. It's a good look. I like Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, my experience has been that um, many people that I speak to have a fear around um, even having conversation with someone who, who's gay or queer um, because uh, they're afraid they're going to say the wrong word or they're going to they're going to um, inadvertently um, offend or say something that maybe they didn't understand quite the meaning of and use it inappropriately. So can you help, like are there any things that you would say just to a group of people who um, maybe are interested and, and wanna grow and wanna learn, um, what's helpful, what's not helpful? Like let's go to school with Alyssa here. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, gosh, what's not helpful? Um, so the easiest way I can describe this is you, uh, coming from a place of curiosity is the most helpful thing you can do. Um, you can tell when people ask you a question and they're coming from a place of judgment or if they're coming from a place of curiosity. Um, so I think that's one of the most helpful things we can do as a whole with anybody who's different or deemed different or is the other or whatever it is. If you're curious, be curious. If it's coming from a place of judgment, I would encourage you to work through that with some closer friends, maybe somebody who's not going to be offended by um, your comments, but I think that it's okay to feel both ways, um, whether you're affirming or non-affirming non of, you know, someone who's different than straight. Um, but I think just leading with curiosity. Uh, another thing uh, to do is don't assume someone's straight and don't assume someone's gay. Um, and you can do that by using gender-neutral pronouns. Um, if you're asking if someone's dating someone, who are they? Super easy. Um, they, you, they instead of he or she. They instead of he or she, sorry. So yeah, so staying away from he, she, um, and going towards they. Um, there was one other one, I can't think of it right now. Oh, person-centered language. And I think this is universal everywhere. So if you're ever trying to have an, un, an uncomfortable conversation, lead with what you know to be true first. And I think that's that we're all human. Um, and, and I'll give an example of this. Um, because it's a current, a current scenario. So um, that encampment um, on the Hiawatha Corridor, uh, you often hear people be like, oh, homeless people are there, homeless people are camping there. Doesn't seem too offensive, um, but a person-centered approach might be, oh, there are people living there that are homeless. Um, so using the identifier as a human um, before you talk about descriptors, and, and that can be applied everywhere, and I promise it, it'll go over far easier um, than identifying, you know, the other one first. Um, Do you know Rob Bell talked about uh, everyone is our teacher? Did you ever hear that one? Mm -hmm. The curiosity bit about, like, everyone is my teacher. 
so I can go curious because I can learn something from you. Yeah, and the other thing too is, I, that made me think of something else, Brene Brown talks about um, the dehumanization of groups mm -hmm. of people and how when we use language that is non-human or less than human to describe people, we slowly and steadily um, start decreasing their human value. And so, um, and it's not like as extreme as one would think, it just happens slowly over time and we, we call a group of people by something other than their name or by something other than human and then it puts it in our head and there's a ton of psychology behind it. I'm not a psychologist so I won't go into that. But um, I think it's really important to continue to use person-centered language when we're talking about humans, you know? There's all this talk about this caravan of refugees coming up um, through South America right now and these are humans, first and foremost, before they are anything else. Um, and so that can be applied everywhere as well. Um, yeah. Um, so I didn't ask you this question first hour, but we've got time for it. So I want to, this, this is a deep dive here, okay? So um, we talk about wells and fences, and um, we've tried to approach this conversation maybe a little differently than other churches. Um, which means that there are people here in this audience who come to different conclusions on like how to read the Bible and how to interpret the Bible related to human sexuality. So um, is there anything you would say to someone who comes to a different conclusion than you do on, on this topic? Yeah, I think first thank you um, to anybody who's in the room and, and feels differently. Um, it's big to sit in a room and to feel different than someone else and to feel like you have another conclusion. Um, that's okay. Uh, the nice part is, is that we can sit together and we can respectfully talk about it. Um, and I, I have more good news um, as far as I know, and Micah, correct me, because you've spent a lot more time with the scripture, but it's, it's not our job to decide who's right and who's wrong. Um, so we can err on the side of treating people like humans. And you know what, if, if you're affirming or non-affirming, whichever side of the fence you fall on, it's okay. Um, I think as long as we're respectful and, and that we honor what we have in common and that we're all God's children and we are all human. Um, so that's, that's really we all. We could probably do a lot of good in the world. Yeah, I mean, there are far bigger issues than who I love. <laughs> But if you want to talk about it, I'm sure I have stories. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, though, Alyssa. That's, sure. that's great. That's great. Um, okay, one final question. Um, what are, um, as the pastor of Awaken, I, I think about this a lot. Like, what are my hopes and dreams for this community? So maybe I'll just ask you that question. What are your hopes and dreams for Awaken? So I'm going to tell another story. Um, and this one actually happened probably about three and a half years ago. And it's okay to laugh. Um, so I give you permission now. First hour, I didn't know if they could laugh or not. You can. And when we get there, you'll, you'll know when to laugh. It, I'll go. <laughs> so about three and a half years ago, I started coming to Awake and I was dating a girl. And we went out for drinks with Micah and Laura. And it was wonderful. We hung out for a couple hours. We had a couple drinks. We went home. I got to know Micah a little more over time. I got to know Laura a little bit more over time. We spent time together. And at, at one point, I was like, yeah, if we ever get married, like, Micah should do our wedding. And um, so we're talking about it, and she goes, no. And I was like, well, what do you mean, no? 
She's like, he can't. And I was like, no, Micah's cool with me being gay. Like, it's not a big deal. Micah can do my wedding. It's fine. Um, and we're talking more about it. And she's like, no, I don't think you get it. Um, the ECC won't let him. Like, he actually can't do, your, do our wedding if we were to get married. And I was like, oh, shoot. Well, maybe he'll do my funeral. <laughs> and she thought it would be funny to tell Micah that. I don't know if she did. Regardless. She did. She did. I remember, yeah. <laughs> So I have Micah, who's going to be doing my funeral if I ever shall pass, and you all are invited. Because um, <laughs> you want someone to speak who's articulate, and you want them to talk about like what type of human you were, and you want to make sure everybody can hear that and see that. And so I was like, who better than Micah? And so this has been something funny that I've thought about for three and a half years. And on Thursday, I was coming here to meet with uh, Micah and another guy you'll meet later to talk about this conversation we were gonna have. And I was leaving work um, and I was driving here and I thought about this question because Mike had sent me some questions and I was like, oh no, oh no. Um, because I didn't really have an answer up until that point for the what are my hopes and dreams for Awaken. And it dawned on me um, that Micah would be able to speak of me in death, but he would never be able to speak to me and the love I have for someone else. And I was like, shoot. And so I think my hope and hopes and dreams for Awaken is, is not that everybody changes their mind or decides that it's okay. It's that, you know, it, we can come to a place where Micah can, can speak to the love of all humans and whoever they are going to marry and what that looks like. Um, because that's what we're here for, it's, it's love. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter who you love, it's how you love, right? So, that, that's it. Would you thank Alyssa with me? I'm going to offer a word of prayer and invite us to a time of silence, and uh, then we'll close with one song together. So pray with me. God, this morning, as we gather in this place, um, we recognize that there's a lot of things we don't know, and yet there are some things that um, I think we can say confidently that in Jesus we know who you are and what you're like. And so I pray that uh, even in the next few moments of silence, uh, as we quiet our hearts and maybe bring our questions to you or our uncertainties to you or even our fears or anger, um, I pray that as we do, um, by your spirit, you would meet us where we are and um, offer to us what we need. And so if that's encouragement or comfort, um, challenge, um, here we are and here you are. So speak to us. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.